celebrating the 100th episode of my podcast. I'm so excited you're here and joining me today because it's going to be a fun, fun podcast. If you don't know me already, I am married to Daryl. We have been married for 30 years. We have eight kids, ages 15 to 28. We have six grandkids, and we've been homeschooling for over 24 years. Now, today, because of this is my 100th episode, I have three amazing giveaways. I have two sets that include both of my books, The Unhurried Homeschooler and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, and a Sterling Silver Unhurried Hearts at Home Necklace. In addition to that, we're also giving away a copy of Don't Make Me Count to Three, along with the study guide. This this was written by Ginger Hubbard, whom I'm thrilled to have here today, who she's celebrating with us. But before I introduce her, I want to give a shout out to all of my listeners in California. So what most of you don't know is that I actually grew up in California. I grew up in the Central Valley near Bakersfield in a little tiny town called Shafter. And then I also lived in Southern California several different times. So I wanted to give a shout out to all of you for that reason. Plus, I also wanted to let you know that I am praying for you because it just it saddens me to see what a battle that you all are in to defend your parental rights. And I want you to know that I am praying for you. And I know that this is happening in other places as well, but California is particularly struggling. I'm going to be talking more about parental rights on my podcast in 2020, along with some other great topics like dealing with ADHD and ADD. Um, I'm going to be talking about why homeschooling families thrive and practical ways to save money and make money from home. And no, this is not a multi-level marketing thing, just a simple, uh, just some simple practical ideas. So I'm super excited about the podcast coming up in 2020. If you are enjoying my podcast, would you do me a favor and share it with your friends? Also, if you could leave me a quick review from wherever you are listening, it would be greatly appreciated. I totally understand if you can't do that, but it can just be short and sweet, a couple of sentences, or even just one sentence. That would be really, really awesome. So along the way, since I started my podcast, I have connected with so many amazing moms. It seems like just the perfect thing to be celebrating my 100th episode with a dear friend that God brought into my life in ways that only he could. So I'm going to tell you just a little bit about Ginger. Ginger Hubbard speaks across the country at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions. She's been a guest on national television and radio shows such as Focus on the Family, The 700 Club, Family Life Today, and Revive Our Hearts. She is the author of several books, including, I can't believe you just said that, Wise Words for Moms and the best-selling Don't Make Me Count to Three, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Jesus saved and Southern raised, Ginger is a veteran homeschooling mother of two adult children and a stepmom to two stepsons. She and her husband, Ronnie, reside in Opelika, Alabama, where they enjoy working together from home. Welcome, Ginger. I'm so excited to have you here today. Me too, Dorinda. Thank you so much for having me on, and so special to get to be on on your uh, celebrating your 100th episode. Wow, I just love it. <laughs> well, it's funny because I love to tell the story about how we met. Because again, like I mentioned before, it was it was a it was really just a God thing. But 
a lot of you know that I'm friends with Yvette Hampton and her husband, Garrett, who are producing the documentary Schoolhouse Rocked. Well, Yvette was at a conference and she texts me and says, I just met the most amazing lady and you would love her. Her name is Ginger Hubbard and I just really want you two to connect. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm all for that, you know? And so we uh, we did end up connecting and I had her on my podcast. We um, talked about your book that was just coming out then. I can't believe you just said that and it had to do with taming your child's tongue. And that was a fun podcast. <laughs> it was, it was. And I love that book because, boy, our kids can really shock and humble us with the things that they say. So if you guys haven't listened to that particular podcast, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. So I had her on the podcast, hadn't met her yet. But then we went, I went to a conference. I was only doing one or I think two that year. And lo and behold, I end up at this conference in the vendor hall right next to Ginger. So that was definitely a God thing. Because if you guys have been to conferences, you know those vendor halls can be huge. And the chances of you being next to someone are uh, pretty pretty uh, slim. So when I looked over and I saw Ginger, I was so excited. And we just had the greatest time that weekend, didn't we? We did. It was so fun. Both of our husbands were there. So we were yes. booth neighbors. So we literally spent the entire weekend together and just clicked. I mean, you just know when God God sends somebody in your life that you just know is supposed to be there. And we left just after three days knowing that this was going to be just a really fun, lasting friendship. And so then we had uh, Daryl, Dorinda's husband, and her and, and her kids up to um, our lake house. We have a vacation rental home, and we had them up and spent a weekend and just had a blast. Now, I do want to tell you one thing, uh, all those listeners out there that you may not know about Dorinda, is she has um, just this absolute disdain for goats. And I think she needs to tell us about that. I don't know what it is, but we were up here at the lake. One thing when we have company at our lake house is there is this little island on Lake Martin called Goat Island. And it's just, there's just tons of these goats running around on that island. They're super friendly. So we love to take people over there. And if you could have just seen Dorinda's face when we <laughs> mentioned Goat Island, I'll just, I'll just, just go ahead and tell you, we did not go. <laughs> so, <laughs> What is it about the goats? I don't know. I don't know. What is it, Dorinda? Why don't well, you like Well, you know, it, we, we owned goats. And, and I know some people really love, I think it's one of those things where you love them or you hate them. And I fall into the category of hating them. Maybe it's because a lot of the goats we, we got were already adult. I think when you raise them from babies, it's a little better. But they were so naughty and brought so much grief into our lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so, can understand that. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that you didn't make me go to that island. <laughs> <laughs> we can tell. See what, that was, see what definitely a good something she is. we did not want to make you do. <laughs> But we did do a low country boil. Oh, we did. That was, that was awesome. So and yes. if you guys don't know what that is, it's just a really amazing meal that goes down into this huge pot of boiling water. And it's, what is it, shrimp and potatoes and corn and sausage. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. All and the good then, stuff. Yeah. And then it goes out on, they put a, like a paper tablecloth down and then we just dump the food on it and you just eat it from there together. It is just so much fun. It was just such an experience. So I'll never forget that. It was just great. So all that to say, I am so thankful that God brought Ginger into our lives. And I think it's also really appropriate that this, this particular podcast that we're doing 
as the 100th episode is about reaching the heart of your child because the message that I share about slowing down and taking a more unhurried approach to homeschooling is essentially about connecting with our kids so we can really reach their hearts. So it's kind of a neat merging here of of messages. And so I'm thankful that Ginger is here today. Now, social media and society have made parenting so complicated and so convoluted. Parents are feeling pressure like never before. But when we really slow down and seek God and dig into his word, we find the answers are much more clear. And I think, isn't it just like the enemy, Ginger, to try and rule by confusion? He does. He is the author of confusion, but our God can cut through that, and he does through his word. He gives us clarity, and when we pray, he brings clarity, and so we can easily, um, well, I wouldn't say easily, uh, it actually takes some work to do that, but to stay in the word and to stay in prayer, and God will always bring clarity when there is confusion. That's absolutely right. You know, I've brought things to him before where I just thought with this particular child or several, several children, I was, you know, concerned about different things, and I would come to him, and it would just felt so heavy and so confusing, and I would bring it to him and just say, I just can't do this. I don't know what the solution is, so I'm just going to bring it to you, and I would just wait on him, and unfailingly, his answers were always simple. They weren't necessarily easy, like you said, but there was a piece that came with them, and it wasn't confusing. It was just very simple and straightforward, and I felt like my my load had been lifted. And I think that's the beauty of being a Christian parent, and specifically a Christian homeschooling parent. We have this opportunity to disciple our kids and to take the time, hopefully, to slow down and listen to God's heart for our family. And so when we look around, it just seems like children are losing respect for their parents. You know, um, parents are losing control of their children. And as a result, America is now facing an epidemic of undisciplined and disobedient children. Just go to Walmart for five minutes and you'll Uh see and hear that. So how do you think that our nation has reached this point in our parenting? Well, Dorinda, you know, as well as I do, that we live in a nation that really just defies God at every point, including Mm -hmm. child training. And it's not that parents don't desire obedience and respect from their kids. Every parent I know desires to raise happy, obedient kids. But so many of these parents fail to achieve those results. And I think that reason is twofold. I think the first problem is that so many parents in an attempt to get their children to obey have adopted these faulty child training methods, which focus on the Uh, just the outward behavior of their kids, but they fail to reach the heart. So many of these parents, they've developed this philosophy that if they can get their children to act right, that they're raising them the right way. But there is far more to parenting than getting our children to act right. We have to get them to think right and to be Mm. motivated out of a love of God, a love of virtue, a love of what's right, rather than a fear of punishment. So failure to reach their heart is the first problem. And then I think the second problem is that parents, and you and I have already touched on this a little bit, um, parents are just not following the instructions in the instruction manual. 
Mm-hmm. The Bible, I, I, I love this. I once heard Roy Lesson compare God's instructions for parents to an owner's manual for a new appliance. You know, when you buy a new appliance, the manufacturer always provides you with this instruction manual, tells you how to use the appliance and how to keep it in the best working order. And if something goes wrong, then the customer is always encouraged to contact the manufacturer for repairs. And <laughs> it's the same with families. Mm. The family was God idea. He brought it into being. And in the Bible, he has provided us parents with instructions for how it operates best. And and when we experience problems in the training of our kids, he's also given us that open communication with him through prayer. And he tells us to contact him. And in James 1, 5, it says that when we ask him for wisdom, he promises that he will give it to us. Mm, amen. That That is a scripture I have fallen back on over and over and over again when it comes to homeschooling, when it comes to parenting, anything. You know, it says, if, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But we must believe and not doubt. It said, because those who doubt are like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man shouldn't think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. And I tell parents all the time, I have felt the most unstable when I have asked God for wisdom, but then I don't actually believe that he's going to bring it to me. Mm. And that's what it's saying. We need to stand firm and know that God is on our side and God wants to give us wisdom. Sometimes we have to be patient and we have to wait. And sometimes we have to seek. And like you said, dig into his word and be looking, you know, but asking God to open our eyes and to say, Lord, what specifically for this child do I need to know? You know, like you said, he's the creator. He's the one who made our children. He knows them better than we do. And and that's the beauty of, you know, knowing the creator of our children. And um, like you said, we have this direct line to um, the one who made them and also the one who loves them even more than we do. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to believe sometimes, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And who better to go to than exactly. the one that, that created our kids and even loves our kids more than we do? Who exactly. better to go to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you imply that part of the problem with uh, parents who fail to reach the hearts of their children is that they have adopted faulty training methods. And so you're saying basically those training methods are failure to reach their hearts and not following God's manual. Right, right. Yes. And some of, okay. Yeah, yeah. And some of those methods, and I address those in the book, uh, Don't Make Me Count to Three. I talk about um, a lot of them, but um, if you want to, we could just maybe go over three that I think are probably the most popular okay. faulty child training methods. Sure. Okay, so one is bribing. Mm-hmm. And that usually sounds something like this, honey. If you obey mom in the store today, I'll give you some candy. And we were talking about Walmart when you open, just go to. Just take one step in Walmart Mm -hmm. and and you see these kids and and how these uh, faulty child training methods actually play out before our eyes. I remember observing this mom in Walmart telling her, I don't know, like he was maybe two, two and a half year old son to come to her. And the child ignored his mom and took off running in the other direction. And in desperation, this mom yells out, come to mommy and I'll give you a sucker. And (sighs) hear that all around us. And of course, immediately the child goes from hearing impaired to exceptional hearing (laughs) and comes very quickly to mom's side. But you see, this is not training the child for obedience. This is really rewarding the child for stubbornness. Giving them a reward in order to get them to obey, that really encourages them in selfishness because their motive is obeying, their motive for obeying is 
yeah, sure, I'll obey for what I can get out of it. Mm-hmm. And that is a selfish reason. Children should be yes. taught to obey because it's right mm-hmm. and because it pleases God not to get a reward. And let's see, another one is uh, threatening. That's another one of those faulty child training methods. And this one usually comes after we have repeated our instructions several times to no avail. And so we pull out the big guns. If you don't start sharing your toys right now, I'm going to send them all off to kids who will share. (laughs) But this teaches them that mommy doesn't mean what she says. I mean, Mm -hmm. how many of of our parents in an attempt to get us to appreciate our toys talked about the kids on the other side of the world who don't have any toys? But how many of our parents actually followed through with that threat, gathered up, boxed up, taped up all of our toys and shipped them off to 10 buck two? Mm-hmm. And so we need to avoid saying things that we don't mean. And, you know, let me just say this up front, too. These are really easy traps to fall into. And even though I have read so many parenting books, and I've even written a couple of them, I still found myself falling into some of these traps. We're, we're just going to mess up sometimes. And I remember right. one time in particular falling into the trap of threatening my kids. Um, because I homeschooled, my kids were able to spend, um, one, it was such a blessing, they spent one night a week, Tuesday nights, with my parents just to have that quality grandparent time. It gave me a break as a home schooling mom. And so I really so looked forward to those Tuesday nights. Not that I didn't love being with my kids, but you know, as a homeschooling oh, mom, sometimes absolutely. it's really nice to have a little um, a little downtime, a little alone time. And so I remember one day, it, it was a Tuesday afternoon, they had finished their schoolwork and I needed them to get their rooms cleaned up. And they were just procrastinating. They were just not doing what I was telling them to do. And so I Instead of disciplining them like I needed to, I pulled out the big guns and I threw out a threat. I said, if you guys don't hurry up and get these rooms cleaned up, you are not spending the night with Nana and Papa tonight. Okay, Dorinda, I knew good and well. I wasn't about to forfeit my night alone and follow through with that threat. And so that, that's the point there, though, is that in, in Matthew, we are told simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Mm -hmm. That means that we are to say what we mean and mean what we say, or we're going to exasperate our kids because they're going to question our word. They won't know when do we really mean it and when do we not, and that's exasperating. It is. It's frustrating to them. We see a lot of exasperated children around. I, You know, some of the, the kids that I see that are misbehaving, all they're really wanting is for someone to say, here's the boundary. Don't step over it. And they they respond and they're, they, you can tell that they feel more secure. Kids need boundaries. Mm-hmm. They need to know that their world is secure. And That's this right. is one of the ways that we do that. That's right. And a good point about boundaries, kids, you know, they may act like they don't want boundaries, but they are much more, you know, think about it, the kids that are around us, the ones that have just free reign or do anything they want to do, they're not required to obey, they lack self-control, they're not happy kids, they're, they, they don't enjoy life. It's the kids that are taught obedience and self-control in a, in a loving way um, that seem to be the happy, content kids. So, you know, really with boundaries, if you think about it, boundaries brings about freedom because mm-hmm. when we it establish, does. yeah, because when we establish boundaries for our children, we're actually giving them the freedom to determine when there will be consequences. They're right. corrected by their own choice rather than it being based on the mood or the whim of the parent. But the key to that is to set those boundaries and then be consistent with uh, discipline when they overstep those boundaries. 
boundaries. And then you're going to have a secure, happy, content, self-controlled child. And that's yes. what we want. That's what's best for them. Absolutely. I see this in our grandkids. Uh, Nate and Ella are three and five, and their parents are very good about keeping, um, you know, just consistent boundaries with the kids. What I see, um, some of the good fruit that I see in them is there's this confidence that they have. They mm-hmm. Because they feel secure, their confidence is growing and they are um, they're not afraid to talk to people. They feel like people like them. They've, mm-hmm. Our, old, our uh, oldest uh, grandson, Nate, has even said this, people like me, mom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that is because his parents have taught him to behave, to, you know, to respond to them. He, he understands what it, what it looks like, you know, how to behave out in public. And because of that, people do like him and they love being around him. And, mm-hmm. and so he's not wrong. He, and the interesting thing is that at four or five years old, he picked up on that. And I just thought that was so fascinating. And then we have a, a, a daughter-in-law who hasn't really spent a lot of time around kids. And she was a little, actually a little nervous meeting and hanging out with our grandkids when she uh, first started dating our son. And I'm telling you, she, it did not take any time at all for her to just warm up and love. She loves these kids. She had <laughs> never really been around well-behaved children before. And so in her mind, kids were kind of like, intimidating because you never know what they're going to do. They're unpredictable. You can't control them. So you see where all this is going? It just, there's so many ways that um, what you're, when we do what you're talking about doing, not only uh, are the benefits, some of the things I mentioned, but we are a light to the world. Our children and our families end up being a light to the world because they look so different Mm -hmm. than what the world's kids are looking like. That's right. That's right. I love that. And and not only that, but they they enjoy life and other exactly. people enjoy them. And, and mm-hmm. all of that just brings about joy. Just joy. So, yes. Yeah. I see that in our grandkids. They are just, there's a light in their eyes and a, just a, a little skip in their step. And it's just, it's very, very noticeable. And, That's um, right. and this is what happens when we, when we just follow the creator's plan. That's right. So that's why we want to stay away from these faulty child training methods. They're very popular in the world. The bribing, the threatening, repeating instructions, raising our voices. That is the way that the world tells us to uh, train our children. But the right. Bible says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness mm-hmm. in God's sight. So that's why we want to, you know, really avoid these faulty child training methods. They're popular, but they're not God's way of doing things. So they're not going to bring about the peace and the joy that God intends for children and for families. And so one more of those uh, faulty child training methods while we're talking about that, mm-hmm. before we move on to something else, is my personal favorite, um, which is why what I actually titled my first book, don't make me count to three. <laughs> and, and that sounds like you hear the parents again all around us. If you don't do this, by the time I count to three, you're going to get it. And so they begin their count. One, the child doesn't move. Two, the child still doesn't move. And then they usually say something like two and a half because they're trying to avoid <laughs> disciplining their kids. And so children, what we need to understand is that children will rise to the standard that the parents set. Mm-hmm. If we don't expect our children to obey until we count to three, they're probably not going to obey until we start counting. So why not expect 
that that instant obedience. This leaves no room for question or confusion. It's so much easier, and it's so much more peaceful. And you know what, Dorinda, I'm sure you would agree with me here. If if my small child is about to step off the curb into a busy street, I don't want to have to count to three before they obey. So training children to quickly obey, that's what really needs to be the standard. And so we need to be aware of things like repeating our instructions two or three times, raising our voices, bribing, threatening, giving them the count of three, because those things really draw us away from teaching our children to quickly obey in a way that pleases God. Now, are they always going to quickly obey? No, they're not just like, we don't always quickly obey. Mm-hmm. But that, that's what we're after, though. You know, right. and, and even in training our kids, you know, we want to ask ourselves, well, let me say this. Parents are often responsible for the habits of their children. And so in, in allowing our children to not obey instantly, we should ask ourselves, do I want my child to be in the habit of even obeying God as they get older the first time, the second time, or the third time? Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So when children misbehave, how can parents view it from a heart-oriented biblical perspective? Well, when my kids were little, I remember for, for a while just really not looking at it from a biblical perspective. I remember being um, just shocked by some of the things that they would do, some of the things that they would say, whether it was uh, whining or lying or talking back or throwing temper tantrums or whatever. I would typically ask that question, why do you act like that? Which is really not looking at it from a biblical perspective, because if we look at it from a biblical perspective, we know why they act like that. So after a closer look at the Word of God, I began to realize that I was really asking the wrong question. Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, including us, adults and kids. So we really don't need to be shocked whenever our children sin, because after all, they are sinners, just like we are. Right. In in Matthew 12, 34, Jesus explained, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, there's merit to that old saying, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Our Mm -hmm. sin does not begin with our mouths. It doesn't begin with our outward actions. It begins with our hearts. And it starts a lot sooner than we might think. King David proclaimed, surely I was sinful in birth sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So Mm. when parents really begin to grasp just the origin of sin and just the total depravity of the human race in general, we really no longer question why our children sin. We begin to look at it from a biblical perspective. So when I began to look at it from that biblical perspective, I slowly learned to quit asking, why does my child sin? And instead, I began to ask myself, when my child sins, because Mm -hmm. he's going to, Mm-hmm. When my child sins, how might I point him to the fact that he is a sinner, just like I am, in need of a Savior? How might I help him understand and really learn how to live in that transformational power of Christ? That's right. And um, the the thing that's interesting about this is I think without even realizing it, even Christian parents are uh, approaching they're parenting with a worldly mindset. And that worldly mindset is that children or people are born good. And that's where there's a huge, there should be a huge diversion when it comes to how we, like you were mentioning, how we think about our children and their ability to sin. Like, I love what you said. If, if it's not 
if they're going to sin, it's when. What am I going to do when it happens? Because that just, it's a game changer. And it's also, um, what we're doing then is is we are walking in agreement with what the scriptures say, that man is born sinful, that our children are born sinful. Um, and, and I love that because that makes all the difference in the world as to how we're going to approach their misbehavior and the discipline that we, uh, or how we discipline them. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. you said, you, you mentioned Matthew, um, I got Romans 3.23, but the other scripture was Matthew what? Uh, Matthew 12.34. 12.34. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gonna be putting these scriptures down in the podcast notes for the listeners. Right. So I'm trying to make sure I jot them down. Um, okay, so next question. Why is it so important that we listen to our children before jumping to conclusions and think before we speak? Mm. You know, that question, um, I have to confess because I'm so bad at that. I'm one that I, I don't always think before I speak, and my mouth really gets me in trouble sometimes. And it did even with my kids when they were growing up. Um, you know, again, I mean, I wrote these parenting books, but I I, I blew it as, as often as the average mom does. And so, um, but James 119, this is why we need to really try to listen to our children before jumping to conclusions. We need to think before we speak because James 119 tells us that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. So I'm going to I'm going to confess one of my uh, big mess ups here. When my kids were little, uh, we, we have a creek behind our house that has this um, little bridge that you can cross over and get into the woods. And my kids love to cross over that bridge and play in the woods. We had a tree house back there and there was just all sorts of swing set, all kind of fun stuff to do. And so but my, one thing my kids knew that they were not allowed to do, and that was get down in the creek when I was not out there with them. They were not allowed to play in the creek and they were very clear on that. So uh, one day, Wesley and Alex, they come running up to the house and Wesley's clothes were soaking wet. And, um, and I, before they said one word, I lit right in. I jumped to conclusions and I said, you know what? You guys, I cannot believe you did this. You knew you were not allowed to be down in that creek. Wesley, your clothes are soaking wet and now you're not going to be allowed to play outside for three days because you disobeyed what I said. And when I, I just went on and on and on. And when I finally shut my yap trap and looked down, there was this look of total exasperation on mm. both of their little faces. And bless his heart, just through tears and, and a quivering lip, Wesley began to explain what happened. He said, Mom, we were crossing over the bridge and Alex had her teddy bear with her and she was dancing him along the, the railing of the bridge and she accidentally dropped him and he went over into the creek. Mm-hmm. And he said, and I know you didn't want us to get in the creek and when we weren't playing in the creek, he said, but mom, you should have seen Alex. She was so upset. She was yelling, he's going to drown. Wesley, he's going <laughs> to drown. He said, and mom, I really thought that you would want me to get her teddy bear for Oh, oh, oh yeah. now there's a heartbreaking moment. Oh, <laughs> yes. And so, you know, and we're all going to blow it sometimes. We're all going to blow it. But we don't need to. Another thing that I'm really bad about, Dorinda, is beating myself up mm. when I blow it. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to do that because that's no. condemnation. And God can take those moments, those moments when we really blow it. And if we respond the right way to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, mm. God can even take those moments that we blow it and and do something really beautiful with that. Mm -hmm. And so those times, yeah, so those times that I blew it with them, you know, in that instance, you know, I sat them down and I said, you know what? 
I need to ask your forgiveness because, you know, I, I, I jumped to conclusions before I listened. I didn't think before I spoke. And also the way that I spoke to you, you know, that, that it didn't honor God and it didn't show any respect for you guys. And so, mm-hmm. you know, will you please forgive me for that? And can mm. we do that? God's grace comes down because our kids see that we're practicing what we're preaching. We're, they see how we respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, what it looks like to do that mm-hmm. and to go back and ask forgiveness and to make things right. And, th- you know, those are those are valuable lessons when our kids see us living out those lessons. Absolutely, because God is a God of redemption and he redeems those situations because when we choose to live out the gospel, which is basically what you were doing, you were saying, I messed up, but you understood that asking for forgiveness was the was the right thing to do before God and before your kids. And so, yes, you're showing your kids what it looks like to, to walk out a living, active relationship with God. God. And we talk, you know, you hear the term thrown around gospel-centered families or gospel-powered parenting. This is what that looks like. It's humbling. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. not always easy. But it is effective because of the the situation. Everybody's emotions were involved. Um, And what when our kids see us saying, you know, being willing to admit when we're wrong, that sets such an example. We don't see that in the world. And again, this is where we're different. We're called to be set apart as Christian families. And this is one of the ways that we walk that out. I love that. So thank you for sharing that. I know that sometimes those stories, even to retell them, they can be painful. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, I have many. Oh, me too. Trust me. Don't get me on a roll. (laughs) So what are some effective ways parents can reach past the outward behaviors of their children to address the issues of the heart? Well, Dorinda, I encourage um, three steps that are all biblically based because we want to parent our kids using the instruction manual that God has given us, the Bible. So I've tried to simplify that. Um, you know, it's really not even, it's, it's not my teaching. It's definitely God's teaching. I really mm-hmm. shouldn't take credit for this, but I've just try, kind of tried to organize it into three steps that can make it really um, a little bit easier for uh, moms to grasp and how mm-hmm. they want to walk their kids through issues of the heart instead of just addressing that outward obedient. So step one is heart probing questions. Mm -hmm. And again, this comes straight from the Bible. If you think Mm -hmm. about it, a lot of those stories in in scripture, when someone did something wrong, Jesus didn't wave his finger in their face and say, this Mm -hmm. is what you did wrong. And this is what you should have done instead. Jesus often used heart probing questions. And in order for the people to answer those questions, they had to evaluate themselves because Jesus was a skilled heart prober. He knew how to ask those questions in such a way that the people would have to take their focus off of the circumstances and the situations around them and onto that sin in their own heart. So for um, for all of these different things that our kids struggle with, whether it's disobeying or, or different verbal offenses, um, we want to ask, uh, and, and, I, and I offer these questions in, in my book. I also have a Wise Words for Moms chart where I've got all of these different behaviors that kids struggle with. I'll throw that in for your giveaway too. Awesome. Um, Thank you. Yeah. 
So, because that's so helpful. It's just this little flip chart that has 22 different behaviors that kids struggle with. And I offer those very simple two or three heart probing questions that's going to help those moms reach past that outward behavior and to pull out what is going on in their hearts. And so the heart probing questions, that's step one. And, and the reason I've created that chart is because a lot of times we don't really know what kind of questions to ask. Right, so I, right. And, and the ones that I've written to Renda are certainly not the only questions you can ask. But some days moms are just like, you know, just tell me what to ask. I just want to say. So that's what I'm about. And then in the book of Ephesians, we are instructed to put off our old selves and put on our new selves. So step two is uh, what to put off. That is what what God's word says about that particular behavior, whether it's Mm -hmm. um, lying or tattling or disobeying or manipulating, you know, whatever they're doing. what does God's word say about that particular behavior and what it can lead to if it's mm. continued? Mm-hmm. So that's step two. And then step three is what to put on. That is how to replace what is wrong with what is right. And so that's basically that three-step plan. That's what I've done with the uh, with my Wise Words for Moms chart. It's just mm. got three steps for all of those behaviors, the heart probing questions, the scriptures for what to put off, and the scriptures for what to put on. And okay. so, yeah, let me throw that in with your um, with your mm. giveaway because that's a handy little thing. That helped. The chart, I really created it for myself when my kids were little. Right. And it, it just... Oh, it just helped me to stay consistent because mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but a lot of times if I was in the heat of the moment, you know, maybe I'm busy uh, cooking supper or I'm, I'm talking to a friend on the phone or I'm emotional or upset about something. In those moments, I would find myself not relying on God's word and mm-hmm. God's wisdom, but my own. And that right. never turned out very well for me or my kids. So just having this little flip chart right at my fingertips, it, it really helped me to stay more consistent. Awesome. That is great. Thank you for including that. I think it's it's interesting, too, because as you were talking about Jesus being sort of the master at uh, asking heart-probing questions, I was thinking what an encouragement and an incentive for us to stay in the word even just in the gospels and learn from Jesus mm-hmm. what how what you know look at these stories that 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 the gospels talk about when they're talking about Jesus and the different scenarios that he was in with with various people and the ways that he asked the questions in those particular circumstances and how he was heart probing because i think we can really as we're in the word more we get we can train ourselves to think more like like he thought and and ask those more heart probing questions and maybe even get a little more creative but but definitely having something like this a flip chart something we can go to because i know i i hear what you're saying when you're under stress or you're distracted I mean, what do they say? Half your brain shuts off. So mm-hmm. creativity is like the first thing that goes out the window. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> so right. Have, that's right. So to have something to jump off of and is just so, so helpful. I love that. So what about the behavior issues that are not directly addressed in the Bible, like whining? How do you get to the heart of the issue and use the Bible for instructing our kids in the areas that you know, are not directly addressed in scripture? Yeah, that's a good one because, and, and I can actually, um, I like to address whining because for a while, one of my children, um, Alex, she really, really struggled with whining. That was one of her biggies. And so I can relate and sympathize with mm-hmm. parents dealing with that annoying behavior. And you're right. The Bible doesn't talk about whining specifically, but the Bible does talk about self-control. And mm-hmm. if you think about it, whining is an issue of self-control. And so when 
when Alex would whine in an attempt to get her way or to acquire something that she wanted, well, let's just say that she comes into the kitchen and rather than simply asking for a cup of juice, she whines for it. So I want to start with the heart probing questions. A very simple question, just something like, honey, are you asking for juice with your self-controlled voice? No, honey, you're not. And I'm just not, I'm not going to respond to this. I'm not going to give you what you want when you whine. God wants you to have self-control, even with your voice. And so what I would do with Alex is I would say, so here's what I'm going to do, sweetie. Because I want you to learn that self-control, because I love you so much, I'm going to set the timer I had this little kitchen timer I kept with me for three minutes. And when that timer goes off, then you may come back and ask for juice the right way. And so you see, I reproved her for whining. I had her suffer the consequence of having to wait three minutes or mm-hmm. five minutes, whatever you want to do. And then which can seem like an eternity an for eternity. a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then most important, I want to have her come back and ask for juice with self-control, which is an issue that is addressed in God's word. Mm-hmm. God's word addresses everything that we need for life and mm-hmm. godliness. Right. We have to. What we have to do is we got to learn how to look past that outward behavior, figure out what's going on in the heart, and then you better believe God's word addresses it because God is not just concerned with the outward behavior. God is That's concerned right. with the heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how can parents get their children to actually implement the principles being taught? By role playing, by actually requiring them to practice that biblical alternative to the wrong behavior. One thing as parents is we a lot of times we we stop our training at just telling our kids what not to do. It's mm-hmm. never enough to just verbally instruct our children in what not to do. We have to instruct them in what to do. We have to teach them how to replace what is wrong with what is right. And then most important, we want to have them uh, actually go back and do it, practice it. Because when we require our children to actually physically practice that biblical alternative to the sinful behavior, we're actually teaching them how to apply God's word to Mm -hmm. daily life. Mm -hmm. So for example, let's say that this could be young and older child, even a teenager. Let's say that a child speaks disrespectfully to his parents. You know, most of the time the parent's going to say something like, you know, that was disrespectful. You shouldn't speak to me like that. Now go to your room. But you see, that is ineffective child training because that most important part is left out. We don't want to just rebuke and discipline the child who's speaking disrespectfully. We want to have him come back and practice the biblical alternative by communicating the right way with the Mm -hmm. appropriate words and the appropriate tone of voice. And for many children, particularly mine, as they grew into their teen years, the appropriate facial expression. (laughs) (laughs) So when we train our children in what's right and we require them to practice what is right, we are teaching them how to grow in wisdom and we're preparing them to govern their own actions for future situations. Mm, That's so good. And you're right. When you get into the teen years, we know that they are dealing with hormone shifts and and, and different things that sometimes bring those things to the surface where they really were doing quite well up to that point. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And, you know, and I refer to this as the practice principle in my book. Mm -hmm. And, you know, imagine, Dorinda, can you imagine teaching your small child how to tie his shoes without the practice principle? Right. No, just verbally walking him through that process is not going to be enough. At some point, you're going to have to demonstrate how to do it, and then you're going to have to require them to actually practice it on their own. Mm-hmm. So if uh, if tying shoes, you know, that, that's, a, that's a very morally neutral task. And so how much more important is the practice principle for training children in Christ-like character? Exactly. And that's why we call it 
training because that's what you're doing. You're, you're explaining and you're showing, but then you're also requiring them to do it. We would never uh, enter a marathon without some serious training ahead of time. And that's what we're doing. We're training our kids for life. We're training them in mm-hmm. godliness like God's word tells us to. And these are the practical ways that we do that. So what are the elements of ineffective discipline that parents should avoid? Well, we talked a little bit about the child training methods, but, um, you know, one thing I've noticed is that when children speak offensively or they misbehave in some way, parents often respond in one of two ways. It seems that, um, that we either ignore the child hoping that he's just going to somehow outgrow it, or Mm -hmm. we tend to administer some sort of consequence, hoping, as we hear people say, to put the fear of God in them. But both of these methods are ineffective because they fail to train and instruct. Now, Mm -hmm. certainly there are occasions when ignoring is going to seem more convenient for us because, after all, it does take time to train them up in the way they should go. But to ignore a child who is in need of correction and guidance is to selfishly place our own interest above the interest and the well-being of the child. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, consequences for wrong behavior, that's biblical, they definitely have their place, but they are not a substitute for training and instructing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Administering, good verse for you to jot down in your notes on that is Ephesians Um, 6-4. And administering consequences without following through with that righteous training, that really only teaches kids one thing that there are consequences for sin. And yeah, that is an important lesson. But an even greater lesson is to help them understand that higher calling of living in ways that are pleasing to God and bring him the glory he deserves. Because our purpose in disciplining our children, it's not just to merely teach them to avoid consequences. It's to train and instruct them and encourage them to honor God with their lives. Mm, I love that. Oh, this has just been so great. I've just got all kinds of notes written down, and I'll be sharing those in the podcast notes. But thank you, Ginger. Thank you for taking the time to answer these questions and share this. This It's just so practical. I love that. Good. good. <laughs> the moms are going to just uh, have a lot to take away from this. But can you share um, some ways for moms to connect with you? I can also um, include this in the podcast notes, but maybe just some of the, the main ways that they can connect with you. Just share with okay. those. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. I love to connect with moms through Instagram um, uh, at ginger.hubbard. And so um, I send out lots of encouragement through Instagram, lots of personal stuff. I love to really connect on a personal level, just the day-to-day um, life situations with, with my um with my mom friends on Instagram. And then on Mm -hmm. Facebook, I am at official Ginger Hubbard. And so those are um, good ways to connect with me. And I also get asked lots of parenting questions on my website, gingerhubbard.com. They can actually go on there and I have a section called Ask Ginger and they can go on and actually submit um, parenting questions. And so um, I can't answer them individually because I just get so many, but I put out videos sometimes answering those questions. Um, Those are on YouTube and um, I'm going to start a podcast uh, Uh, hopefully next year, and I'm going to be answering a lot of those questions through the podcast. Oh, that's great. Well, we will include the links to all of those things you mentioned and anything else you think of after we get off the air. But I want to let the moms know, remind you about the giveaway that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, two sets of my books along with a necklace and then Ginger's book, Don't Make Me Count to 
three, including the study guide and now the wise words for moms. So what I need you to do is on my website where this podcast is posted, I want you to leave what you would like to win in the comments. And that's where we're going to choose the winner. And we'll probably give it a few weeks before we uh, choose the winners, give moms time to listen. But again, Ginger, I'm so grateful for you and the clarity that you bring to parents by pointing out the truths in scripture. We can never, ever have enough of those reminders. I know, and I we sure. need to be reminded all the time. Thanks oh. so much for having me on. Such a blessing. And I can't believe it's your 100th episode. I'm just I'm- now even thinking about starting a pod. I'm going to be calling you all the time with, with, with <laughs> Well, you feel free to do that. But um, I am just, I'm, I know that God is speaking to parents right now, even just through this time we've spent together. So thank you for being here. Oh, and I, I appreciate it. And I want to close by praying over the parents who are listening. Lord, we just thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for Ginger, for her heart that just runs hard after you and has and she has such a um, a passion for sharing the truths of your word uh, when it comes to raising our kids for your glory lord we just thank you for this time together we thank you for this hundredth episode for the privilege of being able to speak into the little lives into the hearts of these these parents whom i just love so much thank you for them lord we pray your blessing over their families we pray your blessing over this message that these words would be taken to heart, God, that you would illuminate the things, that the specific things that um, each parent needs to hear as they've listened to this podcast. Lord, we thank you for your the truth of your word, and we thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 